Uh, this morning, we are going to read a, a familiar story um, out of the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 20. And um, just to bring some, some context to the story, uh, Moses has taken the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, at, at this point in the journey, they've already been in the wilderness for years. Um, and when you're in the wilderness and there's nothing to drink, people start getting really, really thirsty. And at this time, everybody's getting thirsty. There's no water fountains. There's nothing to drink. People are complaining, and they are coming at Moses. And in verse 6 of chapter 20, it says this. So Moses and Aaron, they left the crowd of people, and they went to the entrance of the meeting tent. This is where they would talk to God. This is where Moses would go and pray. How many know when you're experiencing pressure, when you don't have answers, when you feel stuck, you go and pray. Moses was doing the right thing. He went to the meeting tent. They bowed down to the ground, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Get the special walking stick. Other translations would call it a staff or, or a rod. Moses would carry this, this walking stick, and from the very beginning, God would perform miracles through Moses by using this, this walking stick. There was a time he went to Big Bad Pharaoh and he threw the walking stick on the ground. It turned into a snake and it ate up all the other snakes. There was another time Moses grabbed the walking stick. He, he, hit, he hit the Nile River and, and it went from water and it turned into to blood. This was a, a crazy stick that Moses was accustomed to use anytime they needed to see a miracle. So uh, God tells Moses to get the special walking stick, take your brother Aaron and the crowd of people and go to that rock. Say that rock. Speak to the rock in front of the people. Then water will flow from the rock and you can give uh, the water to the people and to their animals. So the walking stick was in the holy tent in front of the Lord. Moses took the walking stick as the Lord had said. Moses and Aaron told the people to meet together in front of the rock. Then Moses said, you people are always complaining. Now listen to me. I will cause water to flow from this rock. Moses lifted his arm and he hit the rock twice. Water began flowing from the rock and the people and their animals drank the water. Verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, you did not trust me enough to honor me and show the people that I am holy. You did not show the Israelites that the power to make the water, that the power to make the water came from me. So you will not lead the people into the land I have given them. The title of my message today is God's ability through my insecurity. You know, everybody has insecurities, something that you're insecure about. We don't like to admit to those things. We just like to pretend those things don't exist. And it's not always like deep stuff, like real deep things. Sometimes it's like super, super shallow. Like people don't even notice it like you do. Like maybe for you, you know, when you take pictures, you like to always take pictures from like this, this side. Not, not your other side because that's not your good side and you're a little bit insecure about what that side brings to the table. Maybe for you, you're not the tallest tree in the forest, so when it's time to take family pictures, you run to the other short trees because you can't be standing next to anybody tall exposing your, your height. I mean, it's silly, silly stuff. It's not a big deal, but it's just it's insecurities. I, I've had a ton my whole life. And I remember like early on as a kid, uh, one of my first insecurities 
for me growing up, my first language was Spanish. Both of my parents uh, are from Mexico, came to the United States. I was the first one in my immediate home born in the United States, and speaking Spanish was just what we spoke. I had no concept of English. When I talked to my sister, I talked to her in Spanish. All the kids in my neighborhood, in my apartment complex, they didn't speak English. We all spoke Spanish. The stores that we went to, they were in Spanish. We didn't have a Whole Foods in my neighborhood. Uh, it's the kind of store where you can get toilet paper, chicken feet, and a cow head all in the same aisle. I can't, some of those smells, I just can't, I still can't get rid of them. And it was cool. It was just life speaking Spanish and it was normal. And um, around that time, my dad put us in this raffle. It's like this raffle for people that um, lived in maybe certain parts of town or maybe more in a low income neighborhood. It was a raffle that could get you out of the ghetto into a nice part of town. I was excited. And they were only selecting a certain amount of people to put them in this development. And we were one of the families selected. It was awesome. You know, when I moved into this new neighborhood, it was funny because all the people from the hood just moved into this new development. So it looked no different. I thought I was still <laughs> in, in my same place and, um, until I went to school. And, um, and I'll never forget walking into class. You're new to a school and you're looking around. You're trying to figure out who you're going to mesh with, who's going to be your buddy. And... I moved from a certain part of Fresno to the beautiful, wonderful city of Clovis. And I remember looking into, <laughs> someone laughed. Not all parts of Clovis are nice. Um, and I remember looking in this classroom and I saw this kid. And uh, we're just gonna call him Art because I can't pronounce his whole name. And, and I remember looking at Art and I'm thinking, Art seems like he would get along with me. He looks like the kids from my apartment complex that I grew up in. And so I was excited to meet Art. I was convinced this was going to be my friend. And at the time, Art was talking to a bunch of other people. I'm like, wow, everybody's surrounding Art. He's the cool guy. Man, they're surely going to love me. And as they're talking to Art, I notice all the kids begin to laugh. They're laughing at Art. They're pointing their finger at Art, and Art's not laughing. Art looks like he wants to cry. And I realize they're laughing at Art because Art doesn't know how to speak English. I was nervous. I, I know what you're thinking. Surely Andrew ran over there and saved Art. Surely he ran over there with his little boots on and his snake leather belt, and he ran in front of a, ran in front of those little Clovis natives and said, "Shame on you!" No, that was actually the last thing that I did. I'm not gonna lie. I grabbed the burritos my mom made me from for lunch, and I threw them in the trash so fast. You would have sworn I was Cat Williams running a 40-yard dash. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Some of y'all understood what that meant. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Anytime someone wanted to talk to me, I, I acted like I couldn't hear. I'd just giggle and, and smile because I was insecure. And there's one thing that I understand about insecurities is that nobody wants their insecurity on display. Now think about Moses in this moment. Moses is in a bit of a tough situation and God gives him instruction like he has so many times. God says, Moses, go to that rock and take your walking stick. 
And when you get there, Moses, make sure that everybody is watching. And once you get everybody's attention, Moses, I don't want you to strike the rock. Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. God asked Moses to speak to the rock. Now, you may not know Moses or a whole lot about Moses, but years before when God found Moses by himself, God said to Moses, Moses, I want to use you. Moses, I got a plan for your life. Moses, you know all the Israelites that have been in captivity for hundreds of years. Moses, I have a plan to use you to rescue them. This is awesome, right? God's going to use you to make history. And as Moses gets into this conversation with God, Moses has one issue. And he makes it really, really clear to God what this issue is. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, says this, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I'll be with you as you speak, and I'll instruct you in what to say. Now this is a pep talk from God. Like if God gave you a pep talk, wouldn't you run out of that locker room excited? Not Moses. This is Moses' response. Lord, please send anyone else. Moses had a little bit of a insecurity. And 40 years later, God decides to instruct Moses to do something. He says, Moses, I want you to go to that rock. And I want you to speak in front of, what are you going to do if God asks you to do the thing that you said you would never do? I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about praying. And when we pray, God's going to speak. And he's going to give you direction. He's going to give you direction as it pertains to your family. He's going to give you direction as it pertains to your business. He's going to give you direction as it pertains to your future. What if he tells you to do something that you don't think you can do? What if he tells you to do something that you think you're just beyond doing? What if he tells you to do something that makes you a bit uncomfortable? What if he tells you to do something that puts your insecurity on display? In front of everybody. God could ask Moses to do this a million different ways. This wasn't the first time Moses found himself in this same exact situation. At the very start when they left Egypt, everybody was thirsty. Years before, everybody's thirsty. And they're complaining to Moses. So what does Moses do? He goes to the tent. He prays. God, they're complaining. What should I do? If you were to read that passage, you would think you're reading the exact same story. God says, Moses, grab your walking stick. Moses, you see that rock? Go to that rock. When you get there, make sure everybody is watching. Moses, when they watch you, strike the rock with the stick. When you do that, water's going to come out. Forty years later, God could have given Moses the same exact instruction, but he didn't. Because sometimes... God will lead you in a direction 
does not make sense to your human intellect. He'll lead you in a direction that doesn't make sense to the people around you. He'll lead you in a direction where you're forced to need him. This is nothing new about God. Read your Bible. When people ask God for help, like we're going to do this year, God gave direction. He gave instruction. And it always contradicted what made sense to people. I think about this same journey. Moses finally convinces Pharaoh to let all the people go out of slavery. And as they're leaving Egypt, they're so excited. They're heading to this land called Canaan. It was the promised land. So Moses, like any good leader, getting ready to take all these people somewhere, he gets on his Google Maps and he Google Maps the promised land. And there's lots of different routes they can take, but he finds the shortest route. If you're leading three million people, you're probably gonna take the route that's most convenient for kids and animals and it just makes sense. So he finds the route to get to the promised land, but God says, Moses, hey, before you leave, I wanna give you a route to take. Moses, put this in your Google Maps. So Moses puts it in his Google Maps. If there was such a thing back then. And the scripture says that the route God wanted them to take was a longer route. And it wasn't just like a longer route. It was a route that led to a dead end. It was a route that led to a sea. Now, I'm not God, but if I was Moses, I'd say, God, look at the maps. If we go the route you're telling me to take, there's going to be an ocean and we're going to be stuck. It doesn't make any sense, but this is the nature of your God. God has always put people in a place where they would need him. God needs you to need him. God needs you to need him. And I know for some people that's easy to process. For some people that's really easy to digest. He needs me to need him, cool. But for other people that ask a lot of questions, your next thought probably is, why in the world would God need me to need him? That's what I ask myself. Why would God need me? God, are you like lonely? That you need little old me to need you? God, are you a little insecure that you need little old me to need you? We know that's not the case. God needs you to need him, not for his sake, but for your sake. God needs you to need him, not, not for your benefit, not for his benefit, but for, for your benefit. He don't need you to need him because he needs to feel better about himself. He needs you to need him for the sake of your future, for the sake of your family, for the sake of everything that God has planned for you. He needs you to need him. So on purpose, he directs you in a way where you're forced to need him. And I ask myself, why? 
It benefits me, but why? You know, God gave Moses the, the Ten Commandments. And, and the very first commandment that God gave Moses in Exodus chapter 20 was this. In verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the, out of, out of the house of bondage. Verse 3 says this. This is the first commandment that God gives people. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. You know what happens when you no longer need God? You think you are God. The moment you don't need him is the moment you think you become him. And this is one of the reasons why God always puts you in a position where you need him. Because when you don't need him, then you become like him. And this has been the issue with humanity from the beginning. Can I remind you why Satan was kicked out of heaven? Can I remind you the very first tactic that was used on people? In Isaiah chapter 14, this is Lucifer himself. Isaiah prophesying, declaring what Lucifer spoke in his heart. It says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. This was always people's problem. Wanting to be like God. You don't got to go far. Eve. Now I know we think that Eve was tempted because the fruit was looked so yummy and she was really, really hungry. The Bible says that if she ate the fruit, she would be like God. God knows it's in your nature to want to be in control of the situation. God knows that it is in your nature to want to control everything that you can. So what God does is he puts you in a position where you need him so you don't fall for the trap to be like him. Because I'm here to tell you, you make a lousy God. You make a real lousy God. The moment you try to be like God, things are going to fall apart in your life. But they're not just going to fall apart in your life. They're going to fall apart in the lives of everybody that you were called to influence. There is people that you're called to reach. There are places that you're called to go. There are people right now that are banking on you, hitting your mark. And the only way you're going to get there and not ruin the plan is by embracing the God that sent you. Why does God, why does God paint crazy pictures? Why does God ask you to do things that you don't think you can do? Because he needs you to need him. Not because he's insecure, but because the moment you don't think that you do, you become like every other person that lost it all the moment they tried to be God. Moses, I don't want you to strike this rock. I want you to speak to the rock. God knew Moses couldn't speak well. I think it's funny in the story. Moses doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes it. Um, and water still comes out. That's pretty cool, right? Moses goes and says, God, everyone's thirsty. We need water for the people and for their animals. Moses doesn't speak to it. He strikes it and water comes. The Bible says that everyone got water still. 
But God's not sitting there fixated on the results. We're so mesmerized by results. But can I tell you, results absent of God are meaningless. The Bible actually says when we get to heaven, there's going to be people that say, hey, God, I got these results. I did that. God, I did those things. And they're going to sit there anticipating an applaud from God. God's going to look at those people that spent their life getting results without him, good results. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. God cares more about you and him than he does about the results you can produce. Now, I know we live in a culture where results are everything. However you get there, it doesn't matter. To God, it matters how you get there. And this year, before we get our goals out, God doesn't have a problem with your goals. Like if Moses would have spoke to the rock, the results would have happened as well. He just wouldn't have lost everything in the process. And we're trading results for the plan of God for our life that is so much better than any result can produce. I'm making a whole lot of money, but I lost my family in the process. I'm getting ahead, but I'm losing the most people that love me the most. I, God didn't care about the results. He said, Moses, it was never about that. It was about me and you. Results are going to come when you follow God. But results don't please God. Your obedience pleases God. Can I say that one more time? Your results don't please God. Your obedience pleases God. And I know what you're thinking. The Bible says that faith pleases God. It takes genuine faith to obey what he tells you to do. It takes faith when you know that you can't do that. It takes faith to take that step into the unknown. It takes faith to start that business when you don't feel like anything is going your way. It takes faith to turn in that job application when you know the history that you have should annihilate you from that program. It takes faith. But it's faith that pleases your Father. Man, God has great things for us this year, every single one of us. And, man, you can help me up. I'm going to be wrapping up quickly. And I think my biggest prayer, not even for you, this is, this is my prayer for myself because I'm as human as you. My prayer is that when God gives me marching orders, regardless of what they are, that I will not be too scared to do it, that I would not be too prideful to do it. For some of you, it's not that it makes you afraid. It just challenges your ego. But what if God challenges your ego this year? For some of you, you don't have a problem giving at all. But to put on a Dream Team shirt and serve people coming in the parking lot irks you just a little bit. That might be what God leads you to. I'm, I'm just saying. But I've been here for too long. That's just not what I do. I'm just saying. When we go pray this month, 
and God gives you instruction, do you already have a predetermined idea of what you're going to do? But if we can shift our posture and say, God, you know who you picked. And if you want me to speak, you know I can't do it. But if you say to do it, I'm going to do it. And when I do it, it will produce results. But when these results show up, I'm not going to lose my family. When these results show up, I'm not going to lose my peace. When these results show God is for results. You can get them and not lose anything in the process. And I believe that's what we're going to do this year. Do you believe that in this place today? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Man, you can come up here. Y'all didn't believe me when I said I was getting close to wrap up. I didn't come up here with some full-blown package message. I just came to compliment our pastor where I know where we're at. And we're going to pray. And we're going to seek God. And God's going to reveal things to you. And you're going to write them out. Just be open. Just be open to the instruction that God gives you. Now listen. I'm not telling you to not use your head. If God is not giving you a strategy to take, don't go make some crazy strategy up. If God is not telling you to speak to the rock, then do the last thing he told you to do. I'm just saying, if he happens to tap you on the shoulder and say, Moses, hold on, before you go, you're not going to strike it this time. You're going to speak to that rock. Would you be willing to do it? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.